Welcome to episode 44 of the Smart English Coach podcast, the podcast which helps you get to advanced English level fast. I'm delighted to welcome Lucy Tilney to the podcast. Lucy runs homestay courses in Bristol, which is a beautiful city in the southwest of England. Welcome, Lucy. Hello, Claire. Lovely to meet you on audio. And thanks for having me. It's lovely to be here. It's great to have you on the podcast, Lucy. So you offer homestay courses. Can I ask you why you started doing this? I came back from teaching English in Spain after about a year and a half. And I answered an ad with an agency who was looking for homestay teachers. So I thought, I'm going to work with these people and find out how everything works. And once I've got that knowledge, I'll start doing my own courses. But in fact, I started doing the two things at the same time because I already had some people coming to stay with me. But it was more informal then. Lovely. So perhaps you could explain the difference then between a traditional English course at a language school and what you offer on a homestay course. Yes, it's it's really very, very different. When you go to a language school, uh, the classes will be on average about 10 to 15 students in a class. And right. What I offer is one to one. So there's only ever one person in the school, if you like. And um, often in the classroom at the school, you'll be surrounded by young people, mostly teenagers, whose parents are paying for the courses. So their motivation of the students is not that strong because, you know, mummy and daddy are paying. Um, also means that the teacher has to teach to the average level of the class and also has to find a subject that's neutrally acceptable for everybody whereas for me when my student comes to me if they're really interested in art restoration for example I had a student once who was a restorer of paintings for the Louvre in Paris Wow! and I arranged for us to go back um, to the museum, the city, Bristol City Museum and Art Gallery and go into the back rooms where they restore their art and she had some interaction with the people there. It's really tailored to what the student wants, needs and is interested in. That's a really lovely example, Lucy. So you had um, a student who was an art restorer and you could tailor all the lessons around this student's job and um, also introduce the students to people working in that same industry so it was super focused exactly yes and i found a really interesting program on radio 4 as i often do um, which was all about preservation of art uh, paintings using nanotechnology so we did a lesson on um, art uh, restoration and preservation using nanotechnology and I imagine also that the focus 
of your lessons is going to be different. You, you mentioned that in a group setting, you have to choose very specific neutral topics uh, and that also the motivation of the students might not be so high as in a one-to-one setting. But I imagine you can really go deep into a student's English needs if you only have that one student in your lesson. Yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, one of the things that I specialise in for example, is pronunciation, because I can hear my student and the student uh, doesn't have to feel anxious or embarrassed about uh, their pronunciation in front of their other classmates, doesn't have to feel that me focusing on how they produce the sounds is boring for the other classmates. And I can spend a lot of time showing them what to do with the air and their teeth and their tongue and their breathing in order to create the sounds that exist in English that don't exist in their language. Yeah. So what would be a typical lesson then? Well, uh, the first thing that I do in the beginning is I do a needs analysis and we talk about what the student wants and how they learn best and what their expectations are and how they're going to achieve their expectations and I also use the common European framework reference placement and progress chart to see where they are on arrival and then we look at that chart again on the last day to see where they've progressed to in the common European framework reference progress chart. And then a typical lesson, I'm very interested in getting my students to work with their emerging language. So I will ask my student to write a diary and that diary becomes a sort of grammar clinic because naturally when we write in a foreign language, we construct a sentence in our own language and then we drop the foreign words in the order that we would make our own sentence. I mean, it's completely logical, but of course, English word order is not the same as other languages word order. So when a student writes a sentence in English, they reveal the problems they have with the grammar. And so therefore we will be looking at English word order or word order in English sentences. We'll look at um, the past tense because usually when you write a diary, you're talking about finished events they'll be practicing regular and irregular verbs, they'll be using prepositions, we'll be thinking about adjectives, I often ask them to describe the food that they eat with me because that gives them very good food vocabulary which is very useful when you go out and you want to order food, you need to know the names for it. And once we've corrected everything together and this process produces a set of mini lessons. So for example, when you use that verb, it's always followed by a gerund, or this verb is always followed by infinitive. So just the writing produces grammar lessons, and then when everything is corrected, and I ask them to correct in a different color and to write on every other line, so there's plenty of space for corrections. And we have a lovely chat and discussion about each each, each lesson, mini lesson, and at the end of the, the diary, when everything is corrected, 
I then turn it into a pronunciation activity because the student will then read the diary out loud while we listen for pronunciation and after that we listen again and check for pronunciation and word stress and syllable stress errors. And for me it's really interesting because generally my students come with very similar problems and if I were to use the, the books I'm always using the same units in the course book. Yeah. And the thing I love about the diary is it's my student has generated the material that we're working on. I love this idea of using diaries. I remember getting a student of mine to write a diary every week and it was incredible the language that he came out with. But as you say, it's all the student's own language. So it's a really good source for looking at language problems, as you mentioned, tenses, prepositions and particularly word order. And the other really nice thing about diaries is that it gives the students a chance to reflect on what they have learnt and to perhaps use some new language that they have learnt. And I think also the act of writing is a really, really good way of making sense of uh, of English and making sense of what you've been learning. It's a really, really nice activity, I think. Mm. I agree. And I also think that the physicality, the kin kinesthetic activity of writing yeah. and correcting and looking at the corrections, it really reinforces the learning in a kinesthetic and visual way. Exactly. In fact, I always tell my students, you know, if you are noting down new vocabulary, use pen and paper yes. because the the act of actually writing it will help to cement the meaning much, much uh, more easily than if you just type it onto the computer screen. So I'm a great fan of physically writing. And I think there is also research to prove that writing it down physically helps you to remember because you're doing two things with the new word you know you're engaging your your brain and you're also engaging your hand so that physicality really really helps with new vocabulary yes I've also read seen that research which confirms that handwriting definitely gets uh, information to stay into your brain much more effectively than than writing on a keyboard so I can completely agree with you. The other lovely thing about the diary is it's a record for my student of yeah. their experience. And some of them enjoy collecting uh, receipts or brochures or cards from the cafe and they stick them in the, in the diary and it becomes this lovely yeah. um, sort of scrapbook. Yeah, it's like a memento of your experience in the UK. Yes, exactly. And I'm sure there are other benefits as well that people get when they stay with you compared to attending a language course and staying with someone they don't really know. So can you tell us a little bit more about the value that a student gets when they stay with you? The greatest value that the student gets is the undivided attention of their teacher. Because right. when you're in a class, you the teacher has is unable to give you undivided attention. The teacher has to spread the attention across the whole of the class, which, as I said, is usually between 10 and 15 students. So you get undivided attention. The student also gets lessons tailored to their needs and their interests. 
And the other thing that they get is a unique experience of what it's like to live in a British home, in an English home. So you get an experience of living in another country for, on the inside. Because if you think about yeah. it, when you visit a country, you usually visit as a tourist. So you're staying in a hotel and then you're always on the outside looking in wondering about how people live whereas you if you come and stay with me you're on the inside and you're getting this unique look at life of a home in Britain and how it's different from the way things are in your home. So have there been any sort of like aha moments that students have had when they've been staying with you? Have there been things that they have discovered about British culture, for example? They often get a bit surprised when they hear the thump of the letterbox. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> and as the mail arrives and crashes onto the doormat, because they don't have um, letters delivered to their door. Usually, You mean they live in blocks of flats, yes, for example? exactly. And so you go down and open with a little key, you open your box to check your mail. Yeah. So that surprises yeah. them. And in fact, that's strange, isn't it? Because we often talk about um, the anticipation of waiting for a letter. And then when you hear the letterbox open, then you rush into the hallway to see if that letter you've been waiting for has arrived. In fact, that's part of kind of popular culture, mm. isn't it? That idea. Yes. So that's one example of where things are, are quite different. I mean, one of the other things that my student will get which they won't get if they stay in an apartment or a family that's accommodating them and they go to a school is they get absolutely delicious home-cooked healthy meals twice a day with me so they um, we have after our classes which can I either offer three hours or four hours I think any more than four hours one-to-one -one, it's just exhausting it's too much, yeah. yeah. And even after four hours, I sometimes see my students leave the classroom looking quite dizzy because <laughs> they're just—they, you know—it's exhausting. It's, there's, it's a workout, yeah, isn't it? It's a real, real workout, mental workout for the brain. And so then um, we have lunch together, and that we'll have something delicious and homemade. All the food I make um, for me is homemade and healthy. It's not necessarily organic, but I don't really use processed food at all. So we'll have a healthy lunch together. And um, then in the afternoon, they can explore Bristol and find somewhere to do their homework, which is mainly write the diary and then copy. I love um, asking my students to make posters and to copy things that we've worked on with the board because again, I think mm. that's another very good kinesthetic way of absorbing and reabsorbing um, information. So, and I suggest that they go to a cafe um, and sit because it's important for them to be surrounded by the language. And this is what this homestay full immersion course gives you, is that you are fully immersed in English and you're hearing English, you're seeing English, you're speaking English constantly English is not optional and because of mm. that you're practicing every day every moment every second and because of that you progress very mm. quickly and because you can feel you're progressing you the student you are so motivated it's so exciting yeah. 
I think this is the thing which lots of people really, really want is that 100% full immersion because it's true, isn't it? If, if you're surrounded by people who also speak your own language, which might be the case in a language, a traditional language study course, then you're not going to make as much progress as when you actually have to speak English all the time. As you said, you're going to absorb a lot more because you hear English spoken around you. But then, of course, you have to use English all the time and you are bound to make progress, especially if you put the effort in. And as you said, you know, you get your students to use English outside the lessons as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And the other thing I tell my student that it's very important for them to do is to have the radio or the television on in their room all the time and I tell them don't try to understand the language this is not the point the point is to have the sound of the language all the time in your ears Mm. and this is a fantastic and lazy way of acquiring the language yeah no listening is super important isn't it So let me ask you then, Lucy, who would be a typical student or a typical homestay guest for you? My uh, typical guest is is an adult. I don't accept um, anybody younger than 18. So generally speaking, my students tend to be in their late 20s up to, um, I've had a student who was in her 70s, but I would say between 30 and 60-ish is the average age of my student. Um, right. They're usually um, at work and they usually need to improve their English to um, for their work prospects. But they also right. tell me that they love English, they're interested in English culture, English television, uh, English films. And of course, when they go travelling, for example, if a Spanish person goes to Indonesia they don't speak Indonesian and the Indonesian people probably can say hola (laughs) and that's about it so the language that they will communicate in is English so the other really important reason for having English is is for for travel so those people are adults they need English for their work prospects And they also know that it's a really important global language just for travel and for culture. Yes, and I can imagine also that for some students, it's a great way to sort of give themselves a kind of a holiday. You know, they're they're spending time in your home, they're learning English from you. And of course, it might be really useful, as you said, for your career progression uh, to, to have good English. But it's also the fact that they can spend a week away, perhaps from their families. They can spend a week doing something that they really love, because as you say, um, lots of people come to you because they're motivated to learn English anyway it might not be for their work it might be just because they want to invest in a little bit of self-development absolutely right Claire you have really mentioned something that I've noticed that's really interesting a a lot of women by the way tell me this and they say gosh this is the first time I've had time for me because often right. when they come to me, it's their children are old and old enough now. They've left. They've gone to university, 
and when they come to me they don't have to do anything else except study English and eat delicious meals they don't have to plan and prepare meals they don't have to go shopping for food they don't have to yep. clean the house they don't have to do anything except come to class do their homework and have delicious meals I had a student it's a holiday yeah, I had a student last um last September this lovely woman from Vigo in Spain she was she was an accountant um, working in a frozen fish factory and she used to bound into the kitchen every evening saying, and what are you going to surprise me with tonight, Lucy? <laughs> Lovely. So tell me a little bit about the food that you serve then, Lucy. Well, I don't serve British food. Let's make that clear straight away. The food <laughs> I, I think some people might be relieved to hear <laughs> that. <laughs> I don't. I cook food from all over the world. So I'm really interested in... Um, Cooking food from the Middle East, so you'll get Lebanese food, Chinese food, Japanese food, Italian food. Although I'm always a bit nervous about cooking Italian when I've got an Italian student, but so far none of them have complained. <laughs> um, well, that's a good sign. Yeah. Uh, I cook for myself every day. That's what I do in the evening. I don't watch television. My way mm. of spending relaxing time is to cook a delicious meal for myself. So right. that is what I do for me, and that's what I do for my student. And then in the evening meal, which is the kind of important meal for me and my student, we sit and we have conversation and correction. So all the time the student is speaking to me, they're being corrected or guided towards the right word or reminded about stress and... Because we're talking at the end of the day, I will ask my student what they did that afternoon. So my final question then, Lucy, how can podcast listeners find out more about your homestay course? They can go to my website, which is www.bristolhomestaytuition.co.uk. So that's bristolhomestaytuition.co.uk. Dot UK. That's right. And there they can have a look at the photos and there's a contact page on there. There's my email address. I'll also put that link to your website in the show notes, Lucy, so people can contact you. Lucy, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and explaining to us the difference between homestay courses and traditional language school courses. And thank you also for telling us a little bit about how you approach the teaching in your course and also for sharing a little bit about what students can expect. Just finally, before we go, I wanted to ask you a little bit um, about Bristol itself. What can people do in Bristol? Bristol's a great city. It's um, a medium-sized city, so it's not as big as London. It's got um, a lot of things to offer. It's very well known for its diversity, for its culture. It's got great theatre in pubs and um, in little theatres as well as conventional theatres. It's very well known for live music. You can find great live music in lots of pubs and bars. It's got a fantastically good restaurants. Uh, it's got a river. It's got some very interesting um, cultural places, museums, art galleries. And all of these are within walking distance of my home. And there's also the river and the harbour side, which is a great 
fantastic part of Bristol and part of its history. You know, I should get back there. I went to Bristol a few years ago and loved it. And as you said, it's got a real kind of buzzy vibe. It's a really exciting city to be in. Lucy, thank you so much again for talking to us about your homestay course. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Just go to the page smartenglishcoach.com and then scroll down. Speak soon.